a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, could Congress finally do its job and reform the Electoral Count Act? This little-known, very vague law, of course, uh, came into big play in 2020. It was kind of dormant for uh, a lot of years. Uh, but, of course, uh, as those who challenged the results of the presidential election had tried to engage there, uh, some people blame, in part, what happened on January 6th to this very vague law. Uh, but a bipartisan group of senators is aiming to fix the law and ensure credibility with the Electoral College count. And uh, helping us unpack uh, all of this, Jonathan Bidlack, resident senior fellow and the policy director of governance at the R Street Institute. Jonathan, welcome back to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me, Boyd. Appreciate it. Uh, so let's dive into this. Uh, just uh, give us just a little a backstory for our listeners. We know this actually goes all the way back to 1887, but <laughs> give us give us a little clarity there. It's true. It's not. It's not too often that we talk about uh, talk about laws that are that are this old and I guess uh, still relevant or at least newly relevant. Um, I mean, yeah. The short version is basically it comes down to you know who determines how elections get certified. Uh, and you know this this now uh, you know uh, law going back to 1887 basically governs those rules. Um, but to be honest, it's it's written in a very vague way. Um, you know, I think that the intention is generally clear, but because the law itself is written very uh, vaguely, there's you know I think attempts to sort of um, I don't know interpret it in ways that are maybe a little bit uh, more uh, oriented toward uh, partisan outcomes. And so the idea here and the reason this this sort of reform effort has taken root is that you know there's this recognition that you know our we will have more confidence in the integrity of our elections uh, when we define very specifically uh, how, you know, in this case, slates of electors are are actually certified. And so, you know, the the, the, the controversy, if you will, or the, the thing that kind of came up to, to make this an issue in the last presidential election was the role of the vice president and whether or not in this case, uh, you know, vice president at the time, uh, Mike Pence, uh, had the ability to, uh, well, basically whether or not was he, was he playing a sort of ceremonial role in terms of overseeing the certification of, of electoral slates, um, or could he play a more active role in that process? And obviously, it was the opinion of uh, President Trump and some of his advisors that uh, you know that Vice President Pence should have gone and uh, and basically played a more active role in uh, rejecting or questioning uh, slates that were not favorable to the president. That's never been the historical understanding of the role of the vice president in this process. 
And so, uh, you know, again, the reason for sort of rethinking this law uh, is, is, you know, a, a lot of the, the controversy that came out of, uh, you know, 2020. And but I, sh- I should add one one additional point, which is that, you know, of course, now we're going to end up in 2024. You know, that role will now uh, be changed and it will be, uh, you know, current Vice President Kamala Harris who will be in that role. And so I think that, you know, uh, there has been an attempt to sort of paint this issue in a in a partisan lens. But I think, you know, my position and the position of many others is that, you know, regardless of, uh, you know, whether or not you're a Republican or a Democrat or it's Vice President Pence or Vice President Harris, uh, you know, we don't want someone who has, uh, you know, who is invested in the election outcome, uh, basically having the power to uh, to manipulate manipulate that election outcome. Yeah. And so the whole point of clarifying this law is to avoid that sort of uh, potential ambiguity. Yeah. And so important is we have confidence in that process. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, throughout our history, it has been mostly a very ceremonial role where the, the vice president, again, regardless of party, opens the envelopes, announces the vote, counts the vote, and they move on. Uh, as opposed to being able to change those or challenge those, uh, that's that's just a different matter. And so yeah, you mentioned this is a bipartisan effort uh, working through. We know that Susan Collins and Joe Manchin have been working together on this. So what's the status mm-hmm. of this and what's the path forward? Uh, just to get this very specific clarification, and I want to just reemphasize something that you said, Jonathan, uh, that whether you're a, a Democrat or a Republican, wherever you fall on the spectrum, you want the, whoever is in the vice president's chair at the time, you want them to not be deciding the election or changing the election. You want them to just count the electoral votes. That, that's exactly it. Yeah. I mean, you know, the uh, I mean, I think if you're if you're a Republican, you know, presumably you don't want uh, Vice President Harris in 2024 having undue influence over the the presidential election outcome. Uh, Justice Democrats, you know, did not want uh, uh, Mike Pence going in and, and meddling in that. And I think so. Again, I think that's I think that's just kind of common sense uh, to answer your question about about the next steps. You know, I think we're expecting to see the legislative language being introduced tomorrow, uh, maybe be later today, but I think most likely is is, is tomorrow, and uh, and you know I think there will then become sort of the the public discussion, right? I think that the, uh, people will be sort of talking about this, and that will uh, you know whether or not it moves before or after the November election, or whether this becomes a priority in in the lame duck session. It's really hard to say. Sometimes that seems to be the only time that uh, you know we're able to do legislating these days. So I wouldn't be too surprised if that is what happens. But but the next step once we see the legislative language will be to start having that having that public debate. And I think uh, seeing how, you know, uh, members on the House side uh, respond to this priority. Yeah. Uh, and that is uh, such a, an important part of it. Uh, we were kind of scratching our heads in the newsroom, kind of looking through everything, thinking, well, now why why is it taking us a year and a half to <laughs> to get to this piece of legislation? Uh, so that it does come up in the middle of a political season and rolling into a crucial midterm. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. a, that's always a challenge. Uh, so so real quickly, as as you look at that path forward, again, I, my hope is they'll get to this in early September when they get back from the uh, I always have to say it right. The August in-state work period. Uh, they don't take recess because <laughs> uh, we all love recess. Uh, but as it comes back, uh, do you think there is possibility that they actually could get to that before everyone kind of leaves town and worries about reelection? 
you know, I, I mean, I would put the odds somewhat low uh, just because it is just being introduced, you know, pretty, pretty late. Uh, and so, you know, there will be I mean, it just depends. It depends, of course. But there are obviously there's a very jam packed uh, legislative uh, calendar. And so so, you know, it, it's always possible. But if I were if I were to take the bet, I would you know, my bet would be that it will come will come later in the year. <laughs> OK, well, well, we'll go for the lame duck session as uh, as maybe the, the option there. <laughs> always good. Fantastic. Jonathan Bidlock, resident senior fellow policy director of governance at the R Street Institute, always provides us just a fabulous insight uh, on a host of issues. Jonathan, thanks for joining us today. Thanks again, Boyd. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, great stuff from from Jonathan. Always appreciate his ability to just break that down. Really interesting. Uh, if you go back to the very beginning of uh, kind of the clarity uh, of all of this, it actually goes back to the 1876 election. Uh, and there were states that had multiple competing slates of electors. Uh, and so at that point, Congress uh, did its job. Uh, Jonathan described it as clarity. It was really a single paragraph of about 800 words with uh, really long run-on sentences. Uh, but it sort of became the, the standard for the next 130 years. Uh, and so I'm very hopeful that Congress will get to this. Jonathan's probably right. I'll have to take his bet. And uh, guessing this will be more of a lame duck session kind of issue. Probably not going to happen before the midterms. But it is an important one just to have that clarity. We don't want vice presidents uh, of either party deciding elections. That's up to we the people. Uh, we're going to continue that conversation as we roll through the day. We'll step aside for top of the hour news. That wraps up hour number one of Inside Sources. Stay with us. Much more to come on Inside Sources. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City. Listen on any smart speaker and in your car at 102.7 FM. KSL News Radio, Utah's all day companion for news. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.